girlfriend? Here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, girlfriendit.com, and the movement, Girlfriendit, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. Describe yourself as a victim or a victor? Well, that is a hard question to answer, and today we're going to be talking more about a very dark subject matter that affects nearly one in four women in their lifetimes and is actually the cause of 1,300 deaths each year. I have to tell you, I just used that statistic this week. And when I, I, I was speaking in a, a large room of people, when I said one out of every four women are in a domestic abuse situation, I literally had a gal raise her hand and said, there is no way. Like She felt, she felt like that statistic was so high. Because the reality, she looked around the room and realized, okay, that means so many women in this room right here. So she kind of challenged me on that statistic, and I said, hey, that's, that's probably just the research that they're finding you know, from the hospitals, from the shelters, yet alone the, the things that are actually happening that, that never get reported. So um, we are going to be talking about that today, just domestic Abuse, and uh, you're going to hear a dramatic story from a woman who knows firsthand what it is like to be the victim, married to a very violent man, and then years later emerge as the victor. Well, you're going to want to lean in to this as domestic abuse, like we said, affects us all, whether personally or, or somebody that we that we love. Before we get too far into our show, you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, our special guest today is author Leah Ann Bryant. And Leah, her passion is to see others free, free from abusive relationships, free from the bondage of shame and guilt, and free from the wages of sin. She is a platform guest speaker with I Am Second, which is, that's just an amazing, if you haven't had an opportunity to go in, you can even go in, uh, Google it, I Am Second, you can go through Facebook, but she's with I Am Second Extreme and Bill Glass Behind the Walls Prison Ministry. In addition, she's involved with several women's shelters, ministering to women in situations she's painfully experienced in. In an effort to increase awareness of domestic violence, she speaks in a variety of venues and serves as a board member of Lillian Smith Family Violence Foundation. So we want to welcome you to Girlfriend It. Thank you. So Leanne... I, I just have to say, you, um, you have shared a, your very dramatic story on your website, and you say, growing up, I never felt good enough. A void left me feeling empty inside. I wanted nothing more than to feel worthy and loved. In an effort to fill the vacancy, I immersed myself in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll mentality, doing anything and everything to find acceptance and meaning. Then I met Vincent, and my world changed. And I just want to apologize. I think I... I messed up your name, which I do very well. It's Leanne. <laughs> so Leanne. Yeah, Leanne. <laughs> Leanne, will you share your story with us now? 
Um, sure, that, that is the beginning part. I did feel very empty inside and, and tried so many ways to fill that void, to, to feel loved and accepted. And I, I think that that, that leads into a, a kind of a codependent personality where you will do anything to please somebody that you feel like they love you or they could offer you love. And so you kind of take a back seat to everything else and just, and just do whatever and accept whatever because you want that love so desperately. And <clears throat> there's so many women who feel that way. And unfortunately the abusers out there, they, they know that it's like, it, they're a magnet to them because they know they can get away with what they want, the control they want uh, with people with the codependent personality. And and Vincent, he, he knew that about me, that he could say what he wanted and do what he wanted, and then I would forgive him and continue to love him. And it started off with just a lot of controlling jealousy. Uh, he was very, very jealous. And you know, he he would tell me that the jealousy was because he loved me so much. If he didn't love me so much, he wouldn't care. And he it wouldn't bother him if other guys looked at me. But because he loved me so much, he didn't like it. <clears throat> so I I took that on as, as uh, wow, he must really love me because he was very, very jealous. But his jealousy would come out in controlling and in anger. He would tell me what I could or couldn't wear, and he would go through my things and he would listen in on conversations and he began to um, make it to where I couldn't hang out with my friends or even my sister, my family, mm. do anything that didn't include him. Um, the anger outbursts were, at first, it was uh, he might break something or smash something, throw something at the wall, but as the abuse progressed, it became more of throwing the item at me instead of the wall or breaking it on me um, or pushing me against the wall and kind of holding me captive uh, to where I couldn't move or, or leave and had to just look into his face and uh, accept whatever he was saying or doing. And <clears throat> the control escalated as well to where he was following me around uh, in the car he would spy on me at work. He would show up, and I wouldn't know he was there, and he would hide under like a desk or a counter and just watch me to see if I was mm. flirting with doctors that I worked with. Um, and it got to where I was not allowed to answer the phone or answer the door or check the mail. Uh, he, out of anger, ended up breaking all our phones um, because he would get mad. Somebody would call. This was before the time of caller ID People would call, and maybe it was a wrong number. For whatever reason, they would hang up, and he would just be sure that it was my boyfriend calling, hanging up on him, and so he would smash the phone out of anger. And it turned out that he ended up breaking all our phones, so all we had left was our uh, speakerphone. And he liked that now because he could not only hear my end of the conversation but, but the other person's side of the conversation. And uh, <clears throat> and he would uh, leave. I I would a couple times. I found uh, voice-activated tape recorders hidden in the house when he was gone. So he was trying to record what I was up to while he wasn't home. And uh, also, I found out um, much later um, that he had a tap on our telephone um, mm. after we finally did get 
real phones back, but also for when he wasn't home, um, he could listen to the conversations that I had on the phone afterwards. And uh, so it was very, very controlling. Um, he became um, more physically violent. Uh, there were a couple of couple of times that he would hit me, but it was more in the pushing me down or sitting on top of me or holding me against the wall, and he became sexually abusive. And uh, then um, it, it did escalate even more so to the point where it was um, threats of death on me uh, if I left him. If I cheated on him, he would kill me and the guy, and if I left him, he would hunt me down and find me, and there was no way that I could escape, and and then uh, the threats began escalating to the point where it wasn't just a, a verbal threat, but he would sit on my chest and hold a knife to my throat while he threatened my life, and that became an, pretty much a daily occurrence where he was holding a knife to me, threatening my life. And uh, <clears throat> and then, um, you know, just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, he let me know that if I ever did anything to hurt him, he would hurt me worse than uh, I could ever hurt him, and he threatened our son's life. And that's when I knew that I had to do something. I had to, I had to find a way to fix it. For so long, I had been, it was like, this dark, hopeless world of what can I do? I couldn't go to the police because he would make me pay. Even if he was arrested, he had friends who would make me pay, and he let me know that, and I believed it. I couldn't go to my family. I had no one to turn to. And so being this, I was always this codependent person that was always a fixer, and I was always like, I can fix this. I can fix this. I can make it better. If I could just be a better wife, he'd stop being so angry. If I could just love him more, he'd stop doubting my love. He'd stop doubting. He'd stop thinking that I'm going to cheat on him. And so I would try to love him more and forgive him more and try to be a better wife. But, of course, it was never enough. And so in my own I, I was very mired in battered women's syndrome where it's just there's no way out, there's no hope, there's no help, there's no one I can turn to. All I have is just myself. But um, what is so common with abused women <clears throat> is that they will accept abuse on themselves, but when the abuser turns to the children, that's when abused women are finally like, okay, that's you've now you've crossed the line. You do whatever you want to me, but don't touch my, my kids. Mm-hmm. And so not knowing what to do, I knew he had a violent past and, uh, and it, it would involve guns, and I knew that that was something he would pay attention to. I felt like if I wanted to get any kind of control, because in our... In our fights, I felt like a rowboat trying to fight the ocean, you know. it was I, I never had any control. He always had the control. And so I felt like if I could just get, get the control when he's in his anger and get him out of the house, then everything would be okay. And so I got a gun in the hopes that if uh, when things got out of control, I could I could just with the gun, tell him to leave, and he would leave, and everything would be okay. And uh, one night, it came down to that. He had uh, come home, and he got very angry, uh, was again accusing me of um, being unfaithful, and 
he got very violent and he was throwing knives at the wall and started threatening me with a knife. He ended up uh, tying me up and cutting me multiple times with the with the knife, cutting my clothes and and making all sorts of threats. And it was a very horrible and scary night. And and uh, one cut was very very deep, and I I cried out and I kept telling him I can fix this, I can fix it. Um, he uh, finally. Okay, Let Leanne, me. I just have to, I have to interrupt you there because, okay. um, well, actually, I'm going to interrupt you because we're going to go into a break. And then when we come back, um, we are going to be talking about Leanne's book, My Defense. Okay. is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Time and change are accelerating, making it increasingly difficult to gracefully go with the flow. Women Change the World presents conversations with featured guests about changes in their lives and how that change has created new and positive opportunities. Women Change the World with your host, Dr. Beth Golden, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central here on toginet.com. We all know that change can knock you off course, and Dr. Beth's show and practices focus on revealing everything that's right with you. This information will help you make choices that align your true nature and set you along your path of least resistance. As Dr. Beth says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. For more on Dr. Beth and her show, go to drbethgolden.com. That's drbethgolden.com. Women Change the World with your host, Dr. Beth Golden. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central here on toginet.com. Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show. Today we are talking about a very tough subject matter and one that unfortunately affects too many people. We are back with our guest, Leanne Bryant, who has authored the book, In My Defense. And um, Leanne, on your website, you have a page that says, is this normal? Um, uh-huh. I, I just, uh, I wanted to go into that because when you're talking about your husband is doing all these like just truly physical abuse um, situations, 
are you thinking, okay, this is what other women go through? I, are you in the midst of when he's strangling you going, this is, this is normal? Or um, are you even sharing this with girlfriends when he's hiding behind desk and <laughs> doing all this? Because Lisa and I have met many women who will share these stories and we will say, this is not normal. And yet they will just keep going through that cycle. So at this point, are you asking yourself this and talking with other women? Well, when it got to that point, obviously I, I, I knew it wasn't normal, but I also had, I felt like there was nobody I could talk to, nobody I could trust. And a lot of that had to do with the threats that Vincent had made on me. In the beginning of the relationship, I felt like, that, for instance, the jealousy. It didn't feel real normal, but it was explained in a way that, oh, well, he just loves me a whole lot. And when he would break something out of anger, I knew that wasn't really normal, but I knew that he would calm down and it would be okay, and, and, and then he was always so, so sorry. And uh, he was so good at the what what's called the honeymoon phase of making everything so much better that it was almost like the honeymoon phase was so awesome and wonderful that that little tiny anger outburst that he had wasn't such a horrible thing. But as the relationship continued, the honeymoon phase got much, much smaller. The <clears throat> violent outbursts got worse. Mm. Um, and I think it's uh, one one thing I've I've kind of compared it to is anyone who's ever been pregnant can can agree that if you were to just take somebody who wasn't pregnant and all of a sudden change them into being nine months pregnant, they would be wow, what a burden this is! I'm so huge and I can't move and I can't see my feet and I can't, you know. It, it, but it's not like that. Our pregnancies occur in mm -hmm. very small uh, increments. So that each day we wake up, we don't really realize how much our bodies are changing. And then, and then all of a sudden you do kind of look down and go, wow, when did I get to where I couldn't see my feet? You know, but we get, our bodies get used to carrying the extra weight around and, and gets used to all of the changes that are occurring. And, um, <clears throat> and the thing about battered women's syndrome is it, it kind of, I, I don't know, it changes how you feel about yourself and how you view the world so that so that it's like you don't really ask yourself is this normal but it's it's just more of what can i do to make things better and you know it, okay he's saying i did this because i don't love him enough and he got angry or he's saying i didn't do that right or whatever so if i could just be a better wife if i could just do things right if i could just make things okay and uh so the really the is this normal that that blog is more for the people in the beginning stages is it normal for my boyfriend to read all the texts in my cell phone or to go through my purse or to not let me uh, talk to my friends on the phone no those things aren't normal and the thing is, is that a lot of people they don't know that and and well, I, I guess interrupt you there so when when you're being told yeah I don't want you talking to your friends um, are you ever able to, in a non-conflicting time, unpack that and go, you know what, my, my friends are important to me. This is a significant relationship. When I have these friends, it makes me be a better wife. Are you ever able to have a normal conversation? 
No, not really. And I think that uh, it was just my my desire to be loved in the way that Vincent was so good at loving me when he wasn't angry. He was so good at loving me. And, and I was addicted to that love that he gave me. Mm-hmm. And I guess I felt like, you know, as I had said before Vincent, everything else left me feeling pretty empty. And so then I would say, you know what? Okay, so I, I really enjoy my friendship with, say, Diana, but um, it's not worth losing Vincent over it. Mm. You know, I, so I, it, it became, it became one little choice after another, mm-hmm. you know, why do you want to hang out with her when you could spend time with me? Do you love her more than me? If you love me, you'd rather spend your time with me. And so it, it was a choice between Diana and Vincent. Well, I'm going to choose Vincent. And then it was a choice between another friend or another thing, thing, you know, that, that I had enjoyed or whatever, but he made me make a choice and I would always choose him. So, and some, sometimes it, it depends too on the households that we grow up in, you know, some houses it's normal to not celebrate Christmas. And so they don't ever consider, look what I'm missing out on because that's what's normal for them. Mm-hmm. Or it's normal for them to go to church every Sunday. Whereas other people are like, why do you go to church on Sundays? You know, we grow up in households with traditions and with what is normal in that house. In some households, it's normal for, you know, the, the dad to sit and watch every sports game, and so they think that's how it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, or go off hunting every weekend and not spend time with his family, you know. And so when you grow up in a household where there's anger and there's a violent outburst or there's controlling or there's yelling, you see that as normal. And in my childhood, there was a lot of yelling and screaming. There was a lot of put-downs. There was a lot of uh, control uh, there was a lot of uh, high expectations, and when you didn't meet those expectations, which you never could because they were too high, then you were left feeling like a disappointment, you know. And and so I grew up, um, you know, my father was very, very controlling and wanted everything in its place and where it belonged and, and to look perfect to everyone. and uh, And so that's what what I would see as normal. And so when I would maybe go out on a date or have a boyfriend or whatever, um, if he was that way with me, I didn't see that as not normal because I saw it in my family growing up. Okay. My dad would go through my, my dad would go through my belongings. He would go through my drawers. So because my dad did that, I didn't think that it was wrong for my boyfriend to do that. I had interrupted you right in the midst of, um, before we went on to our commercial break. Um, that's so interesting that your dad even went through your belongings as well. That's, that's interesting to follow that same pattern. But let's go back to the, the night that you were talking about Yeah, where things really got out of control. Out of control. Yeah, out of control. That's uh, definitely true. Um, so, so I had uh, convinced my husband that I could fix this big problem. It's uh, too much to get into, so it's all in the book, though. Um, but, but I had convinced him that I could fix the problem if he would untie me and let me fix the problem. And so he was going to let me fix it, and, and, but made a threat on me 
that if I didn't do it in the right way or if I said something I shouldn't say to the person I was going to call, that, and he threatened our son's life over it. And uh, because of the the last, uh, he, he made another cut on my leg when he made that threat, and I yelled at the because of all the screaming that he had been doing and I had been doing and crying and all the fighting, our 14-month-old son, he had woken up. It was about, you know, between midnight and one o'clock in the morning all this is going on and so our son was in there screaming and crying and and i convinced vincent to let me let me go to our son before i make this phone call because if they hear the you know our, our son crying and screaming in the background they'll know something's wrong and so he allowed me to do that and i had specifically wanted to do that knowing that the gun was hidden in the nursery it was the place i felt like if I put it up really high, our 14-month-old son couldn't reach it. And my husband didn't really go through things in the closet up high in, in his room as far as I knew. So that's where I had hidden the gun. And so when I went in the nursery, I got the gun, and I brought it out and pointed it at him, thinking if I just pointed at him and tell him to leave, then he would leave. And I really believed that that's what he would do. But he didn't. Instead, he... He laughed at me and told me it probably wasn't even real and I didn't have the guts and I wouldn't do it. And he's like, just give me the gun. And, and you know, I ended up firing a warning shot into the wall to let him know that it was real and that I did want him to leave and I was serious about it. And when I did that, it was like he knew, okay, there's this is different and something's going on here. And so he came at me to get the gun, and he was much uh, bigger and stronger than I was. And uh, so we were fighting over the gun, and it had, I, I, it all happened so, so fast. And I don't even, I, I've tried and tried to figure it out. I spent a lot of time talking with my defense attorney over how it happened or what could have happened or what may have happened. But, but as the struggle went on, he uh, ended up getting shot two times, and uh, then, and but I didn't know. I knew the gun had gone off, but I didn't know that he had been shot. And he ran out the front door, and uh, all I could think of was, you know, he's gone. Good, he's gone. And so I uh, went to the front door and locked it, shut it, locked it. He hadn't even shut it on his way out. And then went to try to comfort our son and... I could hear my husband outside calling, calling for help, asking, calling and like just wanting me to come and help him. And my first thought was that it was a trick. You know, I was, I, I opened the front door and started telling him he needed to leave. I was calling the police. He needed to get out of there. But he was just laying in the yard, and and I, I, just the sound of his voice, I knew. I had to help him. It was like instinct. I just went to him, and he was he was just laying there, and I didn't know what was wrong with him, um, but and I'm a nurse, and so I started checking over him, and I found that he had been shot, and, uh, <clears throat> and so I got the phone and called 911, and while I was on the phone with them, um, he he died, and I did CPR on him waiting for the police to show up, but um, he, he didn't live. Well, and you know, Leanne, we're gonna, I, it, the timing, we're going to have to take a break. And I know your desire is for people to learn from your mistakes. You urge others to not let abusive relationships have a tragic ending like that, and that there is freedom. We're going to take a quick break. Right. 
is Girlfriended on Toginac. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Chances are, you didn't give birth to Einstein. So why are you trying to raise your child to be like him? Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Woohoo Radio Network's parenting show dedicated to helping you release the myth of the perfect parent and discover the unique brilliance in your child and you. Tara and her panel of amazing, intelligent, and sometimes off-the-wall guests will share the tips, tools, trends, and techniques available that will help you stop raising Einstein and start relishing your role as a proud and present parent. Join her every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for Stop Raising Einstein, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, our special guest today is author Leanne Bryant. And um, Leanne, you just have an amazing story. And of course, we interrupted you at the most (laughs) inopportune time. Um, talking in the midst of giving your your husband CPR because you're a nurse. Um, will you just go ahead and, and finish that? I mean, I, I can't even imagine as you're, you're doing this. And did you say, where was your son at this point? Is he watching this take place? No, um, because my husband had run outside. It, this was actually in the front yard that this was happening. My son, 14 months old, he was in his crib in the nursery. Okay. So. Well, let's let's talk about. I mean, then after this happened, tragic and totally, you know, you never expect something this devastating to happen. But then from that point, I, I we know we understand um, through your book in in your defense, which we're going to talk about a little later, which we really encourage, which really highlights and tells your story, which, like we said, unfortunately, domestic abuse really affects many more people than mm-hmm. we even know because people suffer in silence mm-hmm. and even don't want to admit it, or they deny it. And that's one of your things you even talk about is you can't, you can't deny it. You have to bring it out and bring that darkness to light and let others in on your, and so you're not you know, saying the victim all the time, but from this point on, just share, share briefly your journey, uh, you know, because you had to have the court, you had prison a little bit, so briefly describe that, and then let's go into what are some of the signs to look for to maybe, so you can go, okay, I think I could be this person, and what does that look like to move past there? 
Okay. Yeah, well, the um, the thing is, is that being an abused woman um, it's in battered women's syndrome, it, it puts us in denial, like you said, and it, and it makes us, it turns us into really good liars so that people are saying, you know, what's wrong with you? Oh, nothing, I just have a headache. Or, or where'd that bruise come from? Oh, I bumped into a wall. And so we, we lie, lie, lie all the time about everything to cover because we're so ashamed about what's going on and we don't want our abuser to get into trouble. And so <clears throat> I was so used to lying and I was so afraid of what would happen to me, to my son, to my husband. I didn't know for sure that he was going to die there. You know, looking back, I should have known for sure he would not live past that. But there was that thing inside me that just kept saying nothing. He was omnipotent. He was, he, he, he was all-knowing. He was powerful. He's going to live through this. And if I tell the police what he was doing, he's going to go to prison. And, and, and he's going to make me pay. And I didn't want him to go to prison. And I was so confused about everything. And I also thought, if he dies, he's going to haunt me forever if I spit out the truth. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I felt like he had that power. I, I was also afraid if I told the truth about what happened that they would arrest me and I would lose my son. And what would happen to him with me in, in prison and my, my husband in prison and all, you know. So I was thinking all these things. And so when the police asked me, they kept asking me who shot my husband. One of the officers said, was it the same guy who cut you? And that just like started this whole thought process in my mind like, oh, that's perfect. And I told them, yes, there was this intruder and he got in the house and he was cutting me and my husband, he was trying to be the hero and this bad guy shot him. And that way everybody would see my husband as the hero mm-hmm. and my, my, my son could believe his father is a hero. And so I made up this story and that ended up being the dumbest thing I could ever do because I ended up getting indicted for murder. And, um, uh, <clears throat> And and at first the attorney I got was no help and was like just he didn't even want to know he didn't even want me to tell him my what happened and uh, it took a while I ended up in a <laughs> I ended up suicidal and suffering with post traumatic stress disorder and taking pain pills to numb my pain and I was such a mess that I ended up in a psychiatric hospital and uh, my last day there is when I got the phone call from my attorney that. I was indicted for murder, and um, I ended up I ended up uh, spending about eight months in jail, um, and uh, and then ended up getting out on bond when my family hired this really amazing attorney, Doug Mulder, and he got me out on bond, and and then I stood trial. They actually the trial actually ended up I was uh, my charge was upgraded to capital murder. Uh, because there was a life insurance policy, but they did waive the death penalty. Um, but through my trial, the hardest part was that I'd never told anyone about the abuse. I'd never documented the abuse. I'd never taken pictures. I'd never journaled anything. I didn't save uh, any kind of anything that would show that he was abusive. And because he was, as so many abusers are, they are so abusive to their spouse or even their children, but yet to the rest of the world, they see them as this doting, loving husband and father because that's how they are when they're not angry. Mm-hmm. And so at the trial, it was a, this was self-defense, <clears throat> but the prosecution kept trying to make it look like she's just making this up. He was not abusive. He wasn't, he wasn't abusive at all. He was this doting, loving husband, and you're just making this up. And so 
not having any proof is what ended up really bringing a lot of problems to the trial. And um, fortunately, my jury did see that it wasn't murder, and they acquitted me of capital murder and murder, but they did convict me of aggravated assault. Um, and But then they gave me uh, probation instead of sending me to prison. Um, as a uh, probation condition, the judge uh, sentenced me to another six months in the Tarrant County Jail. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was while I was in jail that I finally became free and I finally understood that I am loved 100% and that that emptiness that I'd always felt, that void that I'd always tried to fill, was like this space that God had made inside me for Jesus and nothing else was going to fill that space. And so that's where I uh, found my peace and my strength and my hope and my joy. So, you know, I guess it was all worth it in the end. <laughs> well, and what a, what a tragic and dramatic way to get to that. And, and understand that you are happily married today. Yeah, and and uh, with a wonderful man, and and it, it is so cool because now you you know what to look for, kind of like okay, I I don't want to repeat history here, and how God does bring somebody into your life that that is that it knows what real love is and how to love you and how to adore you like women need, and that's you know Patty and I talk to so many women all the time, and and you're right, we all have this such as deep longing to be loved mm-hmm. and to be adored, and. We will go to great lengths to find that even, you know, like you said, you look at somebody and they can charm us because we're so desperate for that love. And we will we will settle for a love that is not true, that is really painful. And then we justify it, like you're saying. So kind of go through some of those those signs that you see so many women that do justify it go oh it's not that bad or it's only this and we make excuses for that person like what you were saying and you want to cover and you want to protect them and protect their their character at at your demise sometimes and at you you know the cost to you what are some of the uh, warning some of the signs that you see that women they tend to justify and overlook in your conversations i think probably the biggest one is over jealousy um, if if he is always accusing you or thinking that you might be um, talking to a guy behind his back or even to the point of if a guy just happens to, you know, be passing you on the streets and he nods his head and smiles and then, you know, I know Vincent would be like, what, why is he smiling at you? You want to sleep with him or something? You know, it was just, just over-the-top jealousy. And, uh, and then um, – Another one would be the the control. No, I don't want you to spend your time with your friends. I want you to spend your time with me. Don't you love me more? Don't you love me enough? And and that always being a case of about if you love me, this is what you would do. If you love me, you know, and, and hearing those kinds of things. Um, and, and uh, you know, no, I don't want you to wear that. You need to wear something different. Or just the control of of not letting you be your own person. <clears throat> and uh, um, a- anger, um, you know, we can all get angry, sure, but what do we do in our anger? Are are they calling you names? Are they saying no one else would lo- ever love you, you just need to stay with me? Um, are they putting you down? Those things aren't normal, you know. Uh, sure, it's normal to get angry, but you don't emotionally and verbally abuse people because that's that's how it started with me. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal, you know, and it was, it, I thought that that was normal. And 
and uh, and it's not. Or just um, going through your things. I think that, that that happens so much, especially with teenagers these days. Uh, they have a boyfriend and, and um, you know, of course, back when I was Vincent, there were no cell phones and there was no texting and that kind of stuff. But um, but if I, I see the teenagers do that. You know, the boys are looking through their girlfriend's phones and looking at their texts and seeing who they've been calling and what they've been taking pictures of. And, you know, those things are, that's controlling behavior. And, and, and those are some really good red flags that I think a lot of people they don't know that that's a, a, a signal or a sign of something mm-hmm. worse to come. Well, like you said, you don't even know it normal because like you, you were raised with a father that was very controlling and did some of these same things. Mm-hmm. So you had modeled that. So to you and your husband started doing that, it was not that abnormal. It was normal. Yeah. Now, you know, yeah. to me that would have been, I would have gone, okay, what what are you doing? Because I didn't have a father that did that. But, you know, that is what we, we kind of, the, the abuses can be, goes back generations where you don't even know that this is not normal. L- we only have about a minute. We have to take a break. So quickly, maybe a, a, one of our listeners is not, you're not in the domestic abuse, but somebody you love, whether it's your daughter, a friend, somebody is experiencing this. You can see the signs, but they cannot what, how do you address that? Just quickly, one thing um, before we take a break of how do you approach somebody that you're, you're watching them experience this? Just let them know that you really, really do care and you will do whatever it takes and you want the truth and, and that, you're, that you're strong enough to handle the truth. Well, and, and that's very difficult because, you, you know, a lot of times we don't want to speak into a friend because they're in denial. We talk about oh, the yeah. denial. They're in denial. No, it's not that bad. This is not happening. And he loves me. He loves me. And I want to keep the peace because I can't imagine living alone without him. So that justification that happens. And this is a very, unfortunately, this happens too many times mm-hmm. in too many conversations. And it is hard to know exactly um, how to handle it and what to say. And, and we just so appreciate you coming on and just being vulnerable and speaking the truth. And so we're just going to, as we go into a commercial break, we want to just ask, you know, on this whole thing with domestic abuse, really what is significant? And it really is about safety. And if you are in danger, you need to get away. You need a restraining order to keep them away from you. And we just want our listeners to know you are not alone. There are foundations, agencies, and shelters. Many people want to help you, so please let them. We're going to take a break. is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? 
Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with Leanne Bryant, and we are talking about a very heavy but hope-filled conversation on domestic abuse and violence. Leanne has a very powerful story that you can read in her book, In My Defense. And first of all, Leanne, thank you again for your time and your vulnerability in talking about this very difficult subject, uh, especially for you personally. And, And like Lisa mentioned, uh, we talk to so many women, and maybe they're not at that that level of the the violence that you had to go through, but just the controlling and you know, like you said, it's it's that spouse who everything that you wear, every phone call you receive, every Very time, intrusive in your life. Yeah, you can't go out with friends because that means you love them more than you love me. So everything is that measuring stick that's back and forth. If you even put a gift bag together. And it's like, well, you never put a gift bag together like that for me. I mean, everything <laughs> yeah. is, is evaluated. And so, so many of our listeners just hearing this, to be able to go talk to someone. And um, what other suggestion for our listeners that uh, even just finding more information about you and how to um, purchase your book? Well, I have a website, www.leannbryant.com, and it's L-E-I-G-H, so I know it's spelled kind of funny, but L-E-I-G-H-A-N-N-B-R-Y-A-N-T.com. And I have a lot of uh, information on my website about, you know, is this normal? What can I do? Or I think someone I love may be being abused. How do I know? And and so there's a lot of information. I spent a lot of time uh, doing research and just from writing stories or blogs or whatever about my experiences. And... uh, and so um, there's a lot of information there. And other things that they could do, well, my book, is, you could also buy my book from, from the website. There's a little a thing you can click on that says buy the book now. And, uh, of course, that uh, tells all, all, my whole story. And, um, but another thing, if you're in danger right now, just to know that uh, there's a, a phone number, uh, 1-800-799-SAFE. And that is a number you can call. Someone's always there to answer if you're in danger, if you have a question, or if you feel like you need to talk to somebody or you want to know what to do. Um, And then um, 
having a plan is a, a good idea. There's all sorts of information also on my website about, you know, okay, I know I'm in an abusive relationship, but I can't leave. So, okay, you're going to stay. Well, at least have a plan. Have a, have a safety plan. Have have some your important documents, your social security cards, your bank information, your insurance information, expert keys to the car, and, and put that at a friend's house. You know, having something in place that mm-hmm. if you did have to flee in a moment's notice. And But there, the thing is, is I, I didn't know about shelters back then, and there are so many shelters, mm-hmm. and there are so many places that you can get help. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just realizing that you're not alone and people do care and you're not the only person going through this and there is so much help and um well i think it's good what you you mentioned um and just you didn't document any of it and of course you you're living in fear so there's no way you would want to write it in a diary somewhere where your husband could find that but even you know keeping it at a girlfriend's house or at least sharing I know it's an embarrassing situation sometimes, but sharing it with someone so they're there for you if you ever are in that situation that you're having to go to court, that you have someone that was able to um, help defend you in that situation. Um, Also, I I just have to ask you, when did you, um, did you have a relationship with with Christ when all of this was going on? How, How did that come into play? Yeah, absolutely not. And that's what I was saying before is is that I finally for the first time found some found freedom and peace and joy while I was in jail. Uh I was not a believer when this was all going on. I wasn't a believer when I lied to the police or wound up in a psychiatric hospital. I was not a believer when I went to jail. That's where that's where I found God. That's where I became a believer. And while I was locked up behind bars, found freedom. And, and, and that's one of the reasons I love prison ministries. I'll go into those prisons and I'll tell them, you may be locked up, but this doesn't define who you are. You are still loved. You are still worthy. And you can still be free, even though you're locked up. And, uh, <clears throat> and so that's, that's where I found God. And, and, and then I knew, you know, as much as I hated the idea of life in prison without my son, I knew that God was going to have me and take care of me and, and, and love me and that he had a plan for me and whatever it was going to be, it was going to be okay. Mm. I know Lisa and I have done prison ministry in the past and uh, I, I think we were both a little blown away by how many women were in maximum security prisons because of killing their husbands. And you walk away going, wow, you know, I mean, I don't know, but you couldn't help but think that they there was a reason why they murdered their husbands. And um, I know one gal, she even, she had her son um, be a part of it. So he was in prison as well. But when you get that desperate, you're thinking exactly like you, you said, when your kids are involved, you think we've got to figure out a way to take them out. And that seems to be your only hope. Well, yeah, yeah. desperate is a really good word. That's a real <laughs> desperate, just desperate. Yeah. Any any kind of hope or anything. Yeah. And, and desperation will drive you to do incredible things. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about, because a lot of women, we talked about fear, and fear stops you. And, you know, an, an abuser will plant, will use that 
to stop you from moving forward, threaten you with, you know, if you do this, then this will happen and, you know, and pit you against and use your child as, like you said, happened in your case. Let, let's go on the other side of the abuse to where there really is hope and healing. So how do you encourage a woman through this who may be feeling a little trapped in a relationship or starting to see some signs? How do you encourage her to find the courage to do something and, and to really assure her that there is hope and healing on the other side? Well, you know, it's funny. Something just came to my mind. Um, when, I, when I first started some medical training, one of the things I learned is, for instance, if you were to have somebody in a house that's filled with carbon dioxide, then they're going to die, right? Uh, carbon monoxide, sorry. And so what you want to do first is you don't try to do CPR on them in the house. You have to get them out of the house into the fresh air. Otherwise, all of your efforts are futile. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking of is, is that battered women's syndrome is such a cycle that, that he makes you need him and makes you feel uh, more unworthy and, and then gives you the love and makes you desperate for love and, and he's the one that, that you love and it just turns into this vicious cycle and you get so confused that you don't even know what's real and what's not real and what's reality and, and you, you just get so lost in all that. So getting out, it seems like when you get to that point, it seems like nothing is going to ever change. There's just no hope whatsoever, but there really is. And you have to get out of it to start to see that hope. And then once you get out of that uh, toxic relationship, there are so many places where you can go for help. <clears throat> I know where I live, uh, Safe Haven offers free counseling for for people who've uh, that have been abused, and so counseling is so important. And and Christ, you know, he, Christ to let you know that you are lovable, you are loved a hundred percent, unconditional. You are worthy, and you're you're a beautiful daughter of the King, which makes you a princess. And so there are there is hope on the other side. You, it's so hard to see it when you're in the relationship, and. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that from what I've seen, can people change? Yes, people can change. But an abuser is an abuser, and, and the abuse just continues to escalate. And the only time I've ever seen it truly change is when it's changed through the power of Christ. And mm -hmm. so without Christ, you know, he's just, my, my opinion is it's, it's, it's not going to get better. You can't fix it. You can't make it work. Mm. And so, you know, now if if he agrees to counseling and he is got Christ in his heart, then maybe at some point, but but for now, you've got to you've got to get out of it and 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 start seeing um the hope that you can't see when you're in that relationship. Well, and we all think no matter what the situation a lot of times and this is this is a common thing from women he will change or I can change him or I can be a part of changing him. And and what we hear you saying is if they're an abuser, they're not going to just change. Like wake right. up the next day and go, oh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm done I've abusing you now. You poorly. Yeah, and I'm really yeah. sorry I'm an abuse. And so something has to change. It has to change. So a lot of, so it has to be the the woman a lot of times going, I have to change this because he's not going to change. Mm -hmm. He's going to continue this. This is just going to 
escalate, like you said. So what what do I need to do to change this environment, to change the situation either by getting out? And you gave some great tips of like, you know, have a spare set of keys, have your documents at somebody else's house so you can have your, your you know, evacuation yeah. plan in place. But And pray, 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 pray. Because like you said, there is... Unless you have Christ, you you really don't even see the hope there of of changing that Absolutely. relationship. Well, we just have less than a, less than two, a couple of minutes here, Leanne. And again, we want to thank you for just opening up this dialogue, going into it. It's a very difficult one, and and we all generally know somebody that's affected in one level. It, you know, maybe not extreme, but the, you can see the signs of the, well, of the abuse. And it's hard from the outside when you do know this person because you, you give them your insight and you try to, and, and then I, I know I have a friend and it's years and years and years and years and it mm-hmm. never changes. And you, you finally give up hope yourself because it's like, okay, but you've been, you've been saying this for 15 years and nothing yeah. has changed. And we tend to settle and we, and we, t- we tend to go, this is good enough and good enough is not good enough. Mm-hmm. But and and there is hope. I think, I think one thing that I, that I was just thinking of too is that, you know, I always felt like there was no one to turn to and I, and I knew my family loved me and I knew they would do what they could, but I couldn't, I was too ashamed. They, they warned me not to get with him and I got with him. So I was too mm-hmm. ashamed and we're too ashamed to go to people we care about and people we love. And then we think, oh, if I tell them what he's done, then, then, and then everything works out in my marriage. They're always going to see this about him. And I can't tell my family what he just did to me. They'll never forget it. So, so that's where you need to call a local shelter. Call the 1-800-799-SAFE number because those are safe people to talk to. They don't know you, but they care and they can help you and they can give you answers. And you can be totally anonymous. You can call them up and, and you can talk to them without fear. Well, Leanne, thanks for being part of our show. And thank you to our listeners for being a part of today's show. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. being a part of this special program girlfriend it the show dedicated to the most important woman you know yourself it's the 